The views expressed on this program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. This program is sponsored by Manson Mitchell. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend. Just about underway. Let us kick it off together. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we are ably assisted once again by bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Doing very well. Was Suzanne scolding me? What was going on there? Was I getting scolded? No, I was something? doing, I was, uh, I was karaokeing the audio. Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. That's a little different. It looked like you're getting like, hey, brother, <laughs> And that's no, sort of. That's, I, was, I was going, Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Oh, I got it. All right, there we go. It's, it's that sort of misgiving that ended her career as a symphony conductor. <laughs> I'd go see that every Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> for so sure. Would. That'd make my complete my week. We're uh, happy to have everyone with us today. We're going to have a great deal of fun, metaphysical fun, metaphysical Q and A. We like to call it with the Reverend William Patridge. His friends call him Bill, and he's got a lot of those, including us. Reverend Bill Patridge is a licentiate minister. His training, his background comes from the National Spiritualist Association of Churches, NSAC for short. And there's another abbreviation, SCOL. He's on the ministerial staff, the ministry team at the Sarasota Center of Light, where Suzanne and I worship, and we're just delighted to have him with us. His background is varied and very deep. I like to remind him of how scholarly he is, but he has a light touch as well. Today, we're going to get into, among other things, the history of spiritualism, which has remarkably deep roots in American history, American society, and somehow, Bill knows a lot more about it than me, it jumped the pond and became at least as popular in the United Kingdom, in Western Europe. How all that happened and what the implications are in the 21st century will form much of the substance, not to say ectoplasm, but much of the substance of our discussion today. Suzanne, I'm delighted to bring Bill on. Why don't you start by asking him the questions that you have beyond saying, and we always talk about the beyond on this show, Bill Patridge, Reverend Bill, sir, we're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. This is your second visit with us. The first visit that we had was in June of last year, and we knew we wanted to bring you back because you can talk about a variety of topics and we were kind of batting around some ideas. I've got some things I want to ask you about, but I thought where, where we would go first for anybody who might have missed that show would be just a little bit of history, because we talked about the beginning of spiritualism, which I'd like you to go over again, and maybe how it fell into disrepute. But what is happening with spiritualism today in 2022? If you could just do that little review for us, historical review, 
I have questions about where we are today with it. So Bill, take it away. Thank you. Be more than happy to. March 31st, 1848 is celebrated as the founding of modern American spiritualism. Now, spiritualism is perhaps in one view, the oldest religion on the planet. It goes by many names, animism, shamanism, all the ancient cultures and tribes of uh, prehistory basically worshiped spiritualism in one form or another. But in 1848, March 31st, there was an incident in Hydesville, New York, where a family, a blacksmith, his wife, and uh, two young daughters were renting a cottage. And it turned out that it was the spook house of the village. He got it because the rent was cheap. And almost as soon as they moved in, all types of physical phenomenon started to happen. Poltergeist type activities, furniture moving, voices, doors slamming, windows opening and closing. And eventually the two little girls basically challenged the spirit of that house. And because they were uh, good Methodists at the time, uh, of course, they instantly thought uh, something demonic was going on. So uh, the famous phrase is that one of the girls said, Mr. Splitfoot, their term for the devil, do as I do. And the spirit imitated the number of raps and knocks that the girls indicated which showed that there was some type of intelligence behind this phenomenon. They brought in her, their mother to show them what went on. Her mother then went and brought some neighbors in. And eventually word spread throughout the community where a reporter caught wind of it and came to witness the activity themselves. And if it were not for it hitting the press, phenomenon the phenomenon of spiritualism might have just stayed a uh, local incident, never to make a national news. But as it caught on, it directly competed against uh, the Calvinistic view of that time, where uh, you weren't damned, that you didn't have to go through a special process to be saved by the church. And that really flew in the face of modern religions at that time, but it caught on because it uh, relieved the public of the burden of trying to prove themselves to the clergy of that day. And uh, back in those days, uh, mainstream religions used to say that spiritualism was a wildfire that could not be put out. And it's also interesting to note that it came from uh, that upper part of New York, where we get the uh, Handsome Lake religion of the Native Americans, uh, where the Quakers settled, where even Mormonism came from. It's often been called the burned out district. And uh, there is just something peculiar to the land there that uh, gives itself to open minds of people and expose them to various spiritual phenomenon. 
That in itself is interesting, Bill. Um, I, I didn't realize, I haven't heard before, you just talked about four or five different things that have all started in that area. You kind of hear that mythology associated with a place like Sedona, Arizona, where they'll say it's a very spiritual place to go to Sedona and various, various other places around the United States. But I had not heard that about New York. So you're saying there was a, a Native American tribe, there was the spiritualism, and there were other things that were all happening in that area. Does that live? Um, does that mean there is some credence to the fact that there are specifically spiritual places? I'm thinking of you know something like Lourdes in in France. Is there a place here in the United States like Northern New York which you could consider to be kind of a, um, a hot spot for for um, for uh, metaphysical things and spiritualism. Oh, yes, indeed. And the early spiritualists found that out very early, which is why they settled in Lilydale, New York, which is now the national headquarters of my uh, parent church, the NSAC. And it's been an enclave of spiritualism and psychics um, for almost 200 years. So very early on, the sensitives gathered because they knew that that was a hot spot for a spiritual activity, just like Sedona with its vortexes, uh, the top and bottom of the Mississippi River at uh, St. Louis and New Orleans. There's many spots across the country where uh, the earth provides basically a channel or a spirit communion. Bill, that is just great. You and Suzanne just gave me the perfect setup. I love this. This is just great because we're all going to learn something here, especially me. Jesus had a precipitating event in his life at the beginning, the very beginning of his public ministry. He was baptized in order to, as the New Testament says, fulfill all righteousness. And he was baptized by John the Baptist. The Buddha sat for 40 days and 40 nights, apparently. I don't know if you, <laughs> how you stay awake all that amount of time, but hey, he's the Buddha. He pulled it off under the Bodhi tree. And Moses came down the mountain with the stone tablets. These were defining moments, not only in the history of religions, but the history of civilizations. And so... On a much smaller scale, yes, but nevertheless, it seems to me, Bill, that there are precipitating moments, events that spawn an increase in spiritual awareness, and that becomes organized, if you have enough people and the collective will to do so, in order to create a spirituality and expression of religion that ripples out over time. Do you see it in that same context? Yes, yes, definitely. The uh, draw for um, a new way of thinking, a yearning for something new to happen in American spirituality. It turns out that Upper State New York, Lilydale were the perfect spots for this to 
erupt that. There was almost like a volcano of spirituality breaking loose. And it was something fresh. And that's what caught the imagination of the American public, that you didn't have to sit in a stodgy old pew and be lectured to about how things were. Spiritualism gave you that ability to find out for yourself. And that's what we strive to do to this day. We never say in this religion to take our word for it. We always say, go out and explore for yourself. Now, of course, we have teachings and methods to help you pursue that. But there are other ways also. I'm not saying that spiritualism is the end-all word on all spiritual matters. But we do put a great emphasis on learning for yourself. And that's very vibrant today. And that's why there is an increase in spirituality today. Um, a most recent poll said that uh, most people now don't consider themselves churchgoers, but yet they consider themselves extremely spiritual. Absolutely. You're, you're heading right down the path that I, I was hoping we would go on. And it is interesting. You're talking about uh, pew sitters. And Gary and I each came from a very traditional religion, me on the Protestant side, him on the Catholic side. And we both found ourselves being seekers during our lives, which I think a lot of people are, they're seekers. You can either, you know, go deep into the religion of your childhood, which many people do, or you can say there must be more. And, and Gary and I were of the, there must be more to this life than, you know, the, what we heard in the pews we were sitting in. And so we have explored various uh, religions. One of the things I say all, all the time, Bill, is that all religions are man-made, that, that this is all, you know, when Gary was talking about these precipitating events, the, the religion that comes out of whatever these precipitating events are, are religions where somebody has like put it together. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to celebrate life. We're going to, we're going to celebrate it around this person who had this event. And, and it's interesting that with the Fox sisters in 1848, we don't celebrate the Fox sisters, the way you do Moses or Jesus or Buddha. We don't celebrate them as a cult of person, but really as the religion that came out of it, if you want to call spiritualism a religion. And frankly, I'm not sure that that's accurate. Do you think of spiritualism as a religion? It is recognized as an organized religion. But the differences between it and the so-called mainstream religions, again, is the emphasis on this self-discovery, not to just open a Bible, blindly recite words that are memorized, and listen to what someone else tells you it has to be. That's the great defining grace of spiritualism that we offer you the chance to discover for yourself. And because 
there was no legendary activity there was no real mysticism put around the personalities there was really nothing to worship and at the time these two little girls made contact with the spirit world this was a time in american society where uh, the voice of women was delegated to the back rooms women were not heard women did not have powers of position and spiritualism did help to change that. Once Horace Greeley, the editor of the uh, New York Tribune, the one most famous for his saying, go west, young man, he brought the Fox sisters to New York to expose them to the greater society. And uh, thus the interest and publicity of spiritualism grew from there. And they were the way showers that as these women now were speaking publicly and earning money on their own without a man to keep them. It was a great force in changing American society because other women then developed their own gifts as mediums and they could go out and speak publicly and demonstrate publicly. And that was an absolute shocker to that Victorian society of that time. And so you had great orators like uh, Clara Richman. And uh, of course the uh, great Satan, Mrs. Satan, as they called her, Victoria Woodhall. Uh, she was quite the personality. Uh, she was a medium, she spoke publicly. She was even a financial advisor on Wall Street at a time where women were supposed to stay home, be barefoot and pregnant. And so all these forerunners really helped change American society. The second female doctor in America, Dr. Mary Walker, she was the first female to receive the uh, Presidential Medal of Honor for uh, her part in the Civil War, but she grew up on a very open-minded farm where wearing traditional women's clothing didn't help out with the farm work. So her father said, eh, go ahead, wear your brother's overalls. Now wear some comfortable clothes to get the job done. So she started getting used to wearing men's clothing. And she felt the comfort in that and she had tailored outfits made for her, which violated even dress laws of that time, and she was often arrested because she would not dress as a woman. And she fought till wow. the end of her days to help change dress laws. Otherwise, you would be in a petticoat and uh, yep. the, uh, corsets and everything. Yep. If uh, brave women like that had not come along, you know, Women would still be in a world of trouble these days. Well said, sir. Yes, Absolutely. Yes. Let me um, let me step back just a little bit because I would like to do this before we get to our break for context. You mentioned that a newspaper man invited the Fox sisters to New York. They had their conversations and a bit of spiritualist history was made right then and there on a rather high platform, I must say, in terms of public discourse. Were you referring to the great Horace Greeley? 
Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Horace Greeley, the great newspaper man and great abolitionist. Yes. Spiritualism so- was a huge part of abolition and the uh, suffragette movement, getting women the right to vote. Man, is this a rich vein of conversation. So with that being the case, what was it about that movement? Which way did it go that allowed for, if I have my facts straight, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there was a truly impressive, one could say a massive upsurge in interest and even embrace of spiritualism in the American public before, during, and after the American Civil War. Is that true? Yes, it is. The Civil War was one of the bloodiest times of all American history. So many people died in this conflict to end slavery. And a lot of families were left in grief. And they would go to their clergy and ask, why? I want answers. Did my loved ones suffer? Are they all right now? The very same questions being asked today of mediums. And the clergy of that day could not give them the answers that they wanted. They would give them platitudes saying that we can only hope in heaven they may be found safe. But mediums could actually give evidential proof that the dearly deceased were talking to them and reassured the families on the living side that they were okay, that they were loved, and that we live on forever, just perhaps in a different shape and form. Beautifully said it once again. I just wanted to, to uh, Suzanne has a point she wants to make. I just wanted to indicate that if I look at this through the anthropological lens, and that's another way to look at religion after all, having to do with the culture of humankind. In the anthropology of religion, there are many scholars who would suggest, if not outright declare, that when you look at the spiritualist movement, in a sense, consonant with another movement, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons, who grew, their, their movements grew on separate tracks, but grew up during a time roughly contemporaneous with each other, during which there was so much hardship, loss of life, loss of contact. If the, a loved one moved from Illinois out to California, to seek a better life, go West young man, right? If they did that, there was a very strong likelihood that they would not be in contact with their family again. Maybe a letter, maybe not, who knows? So religious anthropologists have said that because there was a need to have that kind of bonding, there would be religions that delivered it in one form or another for the sake of family and community unity. So that's that's the most mundane explanation I can give for it. But then here's Bill Patridge talking about the weight and the value of evidential mediumship in the case of spiritualism. Just about more than anything, Bill, that intrigues me. Well, that is what we are trained to do. Uh, spiritualism 
unfortunately got a very bad rap from the start, considering the date of March 31st. Uh, many people are dismissive, saying that it was just an early April Fool's joke. Mm. But this has been a very, very long running April Fool's joke. <laughs> with a, but uh, it is what we are trained to do. And I, I made a flattery, note. Yeah. Uh, the religion has been taken over, not the entire religion, but it's been portrayed as hoaxes and charlatans, crooks and con men getting in on the metaphysical act, cold readings, faking spirit seances. Houdini used to go on stage with many other magicians and uh, duplicate the so-called tricks of the mediums to prove that it was all a fraud and fake. But in reality, it was competition. Houdini and his like wanted you paying tickets and being in his seats rather than you going to a seance for a whole lot less money and gaining some truth, not just being entertained. I, I had asked you earlier about uh, spiritualism being a religion, and you said it is recognized in the United States as a religion. There's a couple of pieces that a couple of little pearls that I keep putting on a string here. And, and one is this idea that if spiritualism is a religion, and it's not a religion that is based on a, a individual personality, if it is a religion that that has been around for millennia with animism and shamanism, but it had a resurgence during the Fox sisters in uh, 1848, in a way, you could say that it that it is more matriarchal than patriarchal, and yet there isn't the matriarch of that church because we don't celebrate or or um, you know pray to the Fox sisters. But but the the thing that I'm I, I'm thinking about is the popular vernacular right now where mediumship has been brought into our culture at this time with shows like The Ghost Whisperer and Medium. And I'm thinking it's interesting that they were female, that, that both Ghost Whisperer and Medium were women who had this power. And then the other popular show that was on a few years ago was called The Mentalist. And it was a man who was disproving psychic phenomenon. He was going to show how, how it was all fakery. And so here you have, once again, that those scales of female and male and the, the scales of, uh, you know, proving or disproving um, communication from the other side. And so there, there's something in my mind that's kind of tying this all together, like maybe part of disputing spiritualism was the fact that it was not a religion based around a particular man. Does that make any sense to you, the way I'm saying it? Sure. 
<laughs> it, it does. Uh, basically, religions are explanations of unexplained phenomenon. And it is easier to coalesce it all behind one particular father type personality. Thus you get the Buddhas, the saints, Jesus, all male figures that uh, have perhaps a lot more legend based around them than actual truth. But when you have something as humble as two little girls, it's hard to create a mythology or put them in legend, especially when it took off so fast. It was as though they just opened the door a crack and a whirlwind took off across the country. And once women started realizing their own true power, knowing that there are physiological differences, even spiritual differences between men and women. Women mm. seemed to be in a situation where they were more susceptible to this type of communion with spirit, where men may have been too logically goal-oriented trained to just like a military campaign. You see a target, you work toward conquering it. That was kind of the man's world in that day. And women were more reflective, perhaps more refined in their thinking. And perhaps that gave way to why uh, this religion is predominantly run by women. Now, it's not all women, because I'm a no. man, and right, I, right. I was trained under <laughs> by women. I never did have a male teacher. All mm. my uh, teachers and mentors were female, but they were expressing to me a different way of seeing the world and of seeing our spiritual part in it. So I applaud them for that. And I tried to carry on in that same tradition, no matter what my sex happens to be. And, and interestingly, many of the most recognizable names in mediumship are men. You can I, I can probably tick off a whole bunch of, of mediums who are men on, on one hand faster than I can the women. So marketing wise, you know, the, the well, men have kind of taken over that. Uh... <laughs> well, that's part of it. And yeah. a lot of that is marketing and Hollywood and TV. Yeah. Uh, in all phases. Um, most of your superhero movies are based around men. Right. Most of your adventure movies are based around men. And it just goes on and on from there. Hollywood and TV has really taken a hold of psychic phenomenon and psychics and mediums and have really twisted it to their own ends. So it's yeah. no wonder that even to this day, women are kind of delegated to the back rows when it comes to this type of activity. Fascinating. Fascinating. Marketing metaphysics. 
it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> there, there is more to be said in regard to the rich history of spiritualism in the United States of America, but worldwide as well. And it really caught on a long time ago in what is now the United Kingdom. Much more to be said about this and some more particular subjects as well. I might even bring up the R word on the other on the other side of a short break. We're having fun with this, folks, but it's meaningful to millions of people, including the people who bring this to you today. We are Manson Mitchell. Our honored guest of the hour is the Reverend Bill Patridge. We'll be back in just a moment right here at the epicenter of Alternative Talk in Seattle, AM 1150. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Bill Patridge, medium and minister, who returns to talk about the signs and symbols our loved ones send us from the other side. On Saturday, Dr. Drayvon James brings a wealth of experience about lifting yourself up by your own bootstraps and succeeding wildly. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, the Reverend Bill Patridge. Bill, if people would like to connect with you in some way, is there a good way for them to do that? Uh, well, I'm pretty much a private individual, but I do have an email address that people could contact me to. Okay. Okay, it's cat, uh, C-A-T underscore dog at bellsouth.net. All right. You know, it, it, it is um, unusual because we have guests who have 
uh, social media and websites and books and like a thousand ways to connect with them. And it's interesting that you say, you know, I'm a rather private person, but you can email me. And I'm not sure that any listeners will, but we always like to give the opportunity to our, our people to let them know that that we actually have real people on the other end that we're talking to. Wait a minute, something, <laughs> hold on just a second. Something's coming through, hold it. It's becoming clearer now. Hold on there. What they are showing me is Reverend Bill Patridge can be contacted, seen and listened to piercing the veil of all the miles of all the 50 states. And in fact, now they're showing me the entire world where on a given day, they're showing me Sunday, <laughs> Reverend Bill Patridge can be seen and heard proactively, eloquently in his scholarly way at work and available by this thing that they are calling Zoom. Well, there you go. And what might that be, Reverend Bill? We should tell people about that opportunity. They can see you at work, sir. Yes, that would be at the Sarasota Center of Light. Uh, the website would be scol.com. And from there, you can link in through Zoom to the services that we provide to the public every week. And you are the gentleman most often currently running the order of service. And there's got to be a more elegant way of putting it, but that's what you do <laughs> in order to be the, the man, not only with your own messages and the ability to deliver spirit messages, which is an exciting part of every service that the Sarasota Center of Light does there. But in addition to that, you also teach classes from time to time. And I believe there will be more coming down the pipeline here. I encourage everyone to go to sarasotacenteroflight.com. That's it. Easy to remember. sarasotacenteroflight.com. And you're going to see a whole bunch of good stuff waiting for you. Thank you, Reverend Bill. I wanted to get that out for everybody's benefit. I said something, I teased it here, uh, yeah, mentioning yeah, the yeah, R yeah. word. Suzanne and I, in 2013, paid a visit of a few days, I wish we could have stayed a few more at least, at Lilydale, Lilydale, New York, upstate New York, not too far from Buffalo. And summer's the time to go because that's the busy season at Lilydale, that's for sure. But they're only open in the summer. Right. If you go yeah. there in January or February, bring your snowshoes. And some skis. Closed. Yeah, that's going to be Memorial Day to Labor Day. And people live there, but they also come down and stay places like, oh, I don't know, Florida, <laughs> where they chase the sun. We get it. Um, in terms of the Lilydale experience, one person who was pretty well placed among the teachers at Lilydale said to me, you know, it's really kind of a faux pas or it is a bit controversial for someone to come here expecting to hear a robust discussion or a general acceptance among the locals, among the staff, the teachers, the ministers, the mediums regarding reincarnation. There are many opinions in any religion. So too with spiritualism, Bill. Is there a stated standard position on the subject of reincarnation and if there isn't why not oh you just had to bring that up didn't you? <laughs> um, no there is no official position on reincarnation as far as the religion of spiritualism is concerned uh, 
uh, now, because we're all individuals with our own personalities and opinions, it uh, pretty much could be widely accepted privately. But there is no pure agreement on reincarnation because as what we do with mediumship and psychic phenomenon, reincarnation cannot be scientifically tested. We have a lot of anecdotal evidence which would suggest that there are indeed past lives, but as to which type of reincarnation you want to deal with, that opens up a huge can of worms. For example, in Hinduism, where reincarnation is accepted, you also would have to believe in what they call transmigration, that you may be a human being in one life, you may come back as a rock in another life, and you have to proceed through every various mineral and life form to work yourself up to eventually reach nirvana. Uh, that's one way. Uh, there is a theosophical method which kind of did away with the transmigration and dealt with only physical human lives coming back time and time again. Now, at one time, the president of the NSAC did express his opinion on reincarnation, believing that uh, people can be so open to spirit communication that it was his theory that they could personally be overshadowed by a spirit and actually relive these experiences of another being, which would be so vivid and real to them that they would inadvertently believe it themselves, that they were this past life, rather than a spirit impressing upon them their own previous life. That so is because there are so many yeah. different philosophies about reincarnation, and because it cannot be put into a laboratory like you can do with a medium, we just simply have no official stand on it. Which okay. is an honest policy. Yeah. It's, it's okay to say you don't know with any finality, especially if you don't know with any finality. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Now, now I want to ask you the thing I wanted to ask you, because Gary and I each had, had a, a go-to item, and this is my go-to item. People have reported over time that when a certain thing happens, they are thinking of a loved one on the other side. There might be some kind of sign or some kind of symbol. It shows up in music. It shows up in billboards. It shows up on the television. It shows up in walking nature. And so they, when that symbol or sign shows up, they can say to themselves, I think my loved one is near me because I just ran into uh you know, a bird or a butterfly or a something that reminds me of them, or I just found this, you know, money on the ground and that reminds me of them. 
And I wanted to know what your experience is when you're dealing with the other side and you have clients on this side, what, what do you tell them about things that show up in the physical world that could be related to the other side? Well, Jung, the famous psychologist, used to call it synchronicity. But there's so much more to it than that. Uh, spirits like to be involved in your lives. Not so much that they will try to take over your lives. and They're, they're not voyeurs. But they do like to give you friendly reminders that they are still there. And they do send their love and their good wishes to you. And they do it in many, many different ways. Starting out with the Fox sisters and still to this day, even in my own house, we get knocks and raps mm. where there will be absolutely nothing moving, everyone sitting down, and yet you will hear strong knocks taking place on the TV or the refrigerator or walls. And generally that will go and coincide with you thinking of somebody. Something that I've experienced a lot of is uh, coins on the floor. And it's not so much that I was thinking of a particular person, but I can uh, walk through a room and of course at my age, forget what I was in there for and turn around and come back out. And I will then step on a dime or a nickel Generally, it's uh, silver coins, and it is just, to me, an acknowledgement of spirit telling me that they're still around. A lot of people will hear a distinct voice calling in their ear to the point where the person will absolutely turn around in shock, wondering who's behind me, who said that. Again, this is spirit just trying to get your attention letting you know that they are still always around you. Uh, back in the Bible, there was a handwriting on the wall, the columns of fire, the, the huge biblical size phenomenon of the old days. They don't go to those extents these days. It's much more personal in how they approach you. The SPR, the Society for Psychical Research from England back in the late 1800s, had a whole team to investigate crisis phenomenon, where if someone you knew was in the process of dying, that uh, they would appear at the foot of your bed to let you know that they're making their transition. And I believe there was a, several chapters in their annals of their research that dealt with this type of apparition, these full-bodied figures that would absolutely appear at your bedside to tell you, yeah, I'm passing on, but everything's okay. And thus, you'd get on the phone or you'd send a messenger, you'd make contact, and the family of that person involved would tell you that, yes, at that exact time, that person then died. So it's a very varied phenomenon from uh, full manifestations to as simple as a knocking on a piece of wood. Have you, have you when you have um, done readings for people, 
have you come across something that you would consider very specific to them? Like it, it's, it's not general where it might happen to everyone, but a person who has something which is, is unique and identifiable just to that person. That has happened, but uh, not to me personally. A lot of that is what we call an apport or an asport. They're French words for things appearing or disappearing. And there's a great amount of evidence. In fact, there was a uh, medium, David Thomas, who actually used to appear at the Sarasota Center of Light that was renowned for having objects appear, small pieces of jewelry, pins, ancient coins, all types of things which seem to then have a personal bearing on the people attending these seances. Now, I'm not a physical medium, at least not yet. Hopefully someday with my work, I'll get there. But uh, I do mental mediumship, which means I get information rather than physical objects. And with evidential mediumship, I might not be able to produce a substance for a person, but I can give names, dates, locations, things that only the sitter would know or would have known about the person that they're contacting. I believe the gentleman you were referring to was David Thompson. Yes. Yes, yes that's right. And uh, for uh, years, he came to Sarasota Center of Light and he travels the world. I don't know during the pandemic how far he could travel, but yes, a, a materialization medium there with a, a unique way of doing mediumship in my experience. And that is one way to do it. You speak of mental mediumship and the potential for evidence is especially poignant in my own experience of evidential mediumship, Bill, because when I, just to tell the story very quickly, when uh, a day before we went to Lilydale, I visited the homestead of my paternal grandparents, and I just wanted to be there. I went there a couple of times as a kid, three times as a matter of fact, and I recall how much I looked forward to going there. It was a bit of a pilgrimage. I went there with Suzanne in 2013. That was one day. The next day, we arrived at Lilydale, and I went to the afternoon service where messages are given and old-time hymns are played. It's quite an experience in its own right. And a medium who was at that time a visiting medium didn't know me from Adam, didn't know Suzanne from Eve. Nevertheless, she gave me detailed information speaking to the personality of and declaring this spirit to be the very grandfather whose longtime home I visited just the day before, and I hadn't talked to anybody about it. And she was giving me advice coming through my grandfather, Grandpa Steve. And I found it so heartwarming, particularly in the context of having gone with an intention to his old home and then to Lilydale. And based on the evidential mediumship I experienced, Grandpa showed up. That will rock your world for you. Yes, it can. And it's these type of experiences that we wish to give to people to help encourage them to travel a road of spirituality and self-discovery. And it also flies in the face of uh, 
Hollywood, where every medium is a fake and hires private detectives, of course, to somehow spy on every person in the nation that would come to them for a reading. Well, they cost money. They're too slow in gathering their information. And us mediums, we don't make much money. Most of us are not in it for the money. So hiring a private PI, it, it's just not within our budget. So therefore, when you start as Arthur Conan Dole would uh, portray through Sherlock Holmes, you start whittling down the evidence, you get to that point where it's inescapable, where it is true spirit communication by the evidence that's given. Is your thinking right now that this is becoming more acceptable the way uh, I was mentioning earlier, especially with all the television shows and many, many cable shows, which I, I didn't even mention? Um, do you think that it's becoming more acceptable and, and, and um, perhaps less thought of as demonic? I believe but it uh, depends on where you put your focus. Uh, like uh, the travel channel looks like it could not survive without some type of ghost hunting show. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you go and look at uh, the religious networks, still we are the demons and devils. Mm, okay. It just right. depends on... Uh, what you look at. If, I guess hopefully, right. if you keep an open mind, you'll find your own truth. We've got about a minute and a half, Bill, so I just wanted to get this in really quickly. Can science and religion shake hands? You've had a lot to do under the aegis of the National Spiritualist Association of Churches, trying to build a bridge between religion and science and traditional orthodox viewpoints. How's that going? It is still an ongoing struggle. Um, as we were mentioning earlier, how men influenced modern society. Still to this day, a great deal of scientists are under the spell of Aristotle, mm. the original materialist. Right. If, it, if we can't hold it in our hands and dissect it and put it back together, then it doesn't exist. But when you get into spirituality, things that are undefinable, like science cannot prove love, but we know it, it all exists. We know it. We feel it. And it's the same way with the spirit communication and spirituality. But as science goes more into quantum physics and consciousness studies, eventually we will find the common language and yes, science and spirituality can shake hands. All right. On and, that and hopeful gonna, note. And we will have you back on that day and we'll talk about that. And even before. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend you, William Patridge, call him Bill. He's a friendly man and you'll learn a lot anytime you communicate with him. And luckily, still in the body. Thank you, Bill. And we look forward to seeing you every Sunday. You appear quite in the flesh at the Sarasota Center of Light. Thanks so much for listening to us. This was a fun and informative hour, Suzanne. Join us tomorrow at 10 o'clock and stay tuned for American Road Trip Talk at one o'clock today with Gary Mance. Have a great weekend, everyone.